Welcome to Our Social Impact, brought to you by the Prison Scholar Fund. The Prison Scholar Fund's mission is to provide education and employment assistance to help currently and formerly incarcerated people succeed and thrive in society while avoiding homelessness and the revolving door of reincarceration. The PSF also advocates for reform in correctional education to increase opportunity for all. As a nonprofit, we rely on investments, volunteers, and are always looking for board members to champion our mission. Please connect with us through our website at prisonscholars.org, where you can find volunteer opportunities, make a contribution, and learn about becoming a board member. You can also email us at info at prisonscholars.org and find us through most social media platforms at Prison Scholars. Become a patron by supporting us directly at Patreon with at Prison Scholars. We appreciate your review of this podcast through whatever platform you listen through. Without further ado, here's Dirk Van Velsen, founder and CEO of the Prison Scholar Fund. Welcome to our social impact. Today we have Leo Noski. <laughs> Did I see it manly enough? Yeah, pretty good. With with balls? That, that's great, yes. All right. And, <laughs> and you're CEO of Defy Washington? I'm an executive director of Defy Ventures Washington, uh, which is an independent chapter of Defy Ventures. So tell me all about that because you can tell it better than I can. Absolutely. Well, first I would say that I, uh, I'm going to answer a different question, and that is how I met you and why it matters that I'm here in this room. Um, I think the first time I've heard about you was on social media uh, because what you do and the work that you do by giving people an opportunity to get formal education while inside is incredibly powerful. And I've heard your name way before I've met you uh, because in the prison system, when I go in and I do my work, uh, it becomes apparent that there are some change agents around. And there are so few of them that they stick out. And so they always say, well, do you know this guy or do you know that guy? And, of course, Dirk has always been one of those names that's thrown around. So I always wondered, who the hell is this Dirk guy? Did you did you hear about that before we met at that UW oh, storytelling thing? Yeah, I, I've known about you for at least two years. Okay. And I didn't know I've that. Tried to, yeah, I, I've, knew, I've, I never knew the backstory. That's yeah, I've... Uh, I've uh, stalked you on uh, LinkedIn uh, for <laughs> it, quite a while. And so to meet you way back when in UW, we did a workshop of some sort, it was a really big deal because at that time, my program, which is called Restartup Academy, that's the official name of our nonprofit, was still in its infancy. We just uh, were in the process of doing our first cohort inside Monroe Correctional Complex, which is a, a, a complex of five prisons uh, 20 miles north of Seattle in the minimum security unit at the time. And it was where I started really understanding the incredible opportunity that is uh, locked up inside prison, that there is untapped human potential inside the prison and nobody is paying attention. So when I was starting to do the work, I started doing it with another nonprofit called University Beyond Bars, which is a university-style, credit-style program. My program was not credited, but the name of Dirk, whatever your last name is, because it's so difficult <laughs> to pronounce. Was it's, it's really phonetic, Van Velsen. Van Velsen. 
uh, and Novsky has a Novsky has a has a has a, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but anyways, the, so the, that was the big impetus for me uh, that knowing that there are other people in this world who are fighting for people's uh, rights of unlocking their potential was really helpful for me as I was starting. And so meeting you was actually a big deal. Meeting you at the event, uh, the University of Washington event, was one of the times where I really saw that I'm not alone. I'm not doing this on my own. And knowing that you actually won the uh, SVP fast pitch was another huge, huge thing. Because yeah, that's a nice win. I can... Yeah, because I could basically I was at the time competing, and uh, everybody was comparing me to you. No kidding. Which, no I had some, kidding. I, I had some great coaches though. Well, so did I. Uh, they didn't help me as much as they <laughs> helped you. But you have slightly better story, with all due respect. Yeah, yeah, I have a good story. You have a good story, and uh, but it, it was incredible to see that there is a traction of. Uh, Winning the competition like that with a nonprofit that focuses on prison reform in some sort of way, and um, by the way, I, I on on this podcast it'll be the first time I'll announce I plan to win it this year. Okay, you're back Just in. So you know, I'm back in. Well, so I'm not back in yet. They yeah. haven't accepted me. But while I'm making wild assumptions, I just want to say that I'm planning to win it. So what year were you in? Were you in the same year as Unloop? No, I was in the year after Unloop. Okay. So uh, I was just like Unloop, but not as cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. Uh, but I was in last year. So I think it was this, the year beforehand that they yeah, won. And like last year was the first year I didn't do any coaching for them. Ah, well, th I'm hoping that you're going to do some coaching yeah. this year. And uh, please, please, one, uh, make sure to uh, get, uh, get me into your cohort. Okay. I need you as a coach. Any which way. Okay. It doesn't matter. Pull some strings. I'm, I'm hustle harder. Yeah. Uh, so that was a huge piece, and, and that's what I am seeing now. I'm seeing that there is a, an evolving ecosystem of nonprofits and for-profit organizations that are committed to second chance transformation, and that is the environment in which Defy Ventures Washington and Restartup Academy really are uh, blossoming, if you may. So now to answer your question, uh, I'm an executive director of a nonprofit called Restartup Academy, uh, which is an independent Washington State nonprofit, and we are licensing the curriculum from another nonprofit called Defy Ventures, uh, out of uh, California. Uh, and you can ask me later of why I'm doing that instead of doing my own curriculum. I'll be glad to answer. Right now, we have uh, created a really dynamic program out in Twin Rivers Unit at Monroe Correctional Complex, uh, and uh, we are in our second cohort. So Now, does Defy have roots from the Prison Entrepreneurship Program in Texas? Yes. Is it like so, very similar? I'm not really sure how the programs are So I'll, I'll fill you in on the background. Uh, both of them uh, were founded by the same person, uh, Catherine, Catherine Hoke. Yeah. who I had a privilege of meeting this summer. And uh, she s started PEP as a, uh, in the same way kind of I started Restartup Academy. And that is, I had nothing to do with the prison in some ways. And then I went in and then became an, a lifer. So I would consider myself a lifer uh, as, as a volunteer would have it. 
without possibility of any parole. Because you're you're always in. I am I am in forever. Um, and there's a reason for that. And so is she. And uh, so she started PP, and that was an in-prison program. Yeah. Uh, Defy originally started uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, as a out of, uh, outside of prison program, post-prison program, out of New York, and expanded into several states. Then got a big uh, donation from Google to start an inside program, and now has been in 25 prisons, graduating over 7,200 uh, or serving over 7,200 uh, inmates and graduating over 60% of those as entrepreneurs in training or EITs as we call them. Uh, and so uh, the value of the program itself is tremendous because it has something very few programs on the inside have, which I don't need to tell you, <laughs> which is uh, actual numbers to show that they work and traction to show that they can be scaled. And that is what really attracted to me to the program. And that is why we do what we do. And how did you pick the Monroe Complex? So Monroe... Uh, it's kind of the closest prison here, so... Well, there, there's more of a story behind that. Uh, for those of you, your listeners who don't know anything about Monroe, Seattle or Northwest or prison or if they even live here, they probably don't know where the prisons are. That's not what people typically know. Uh, Monroe is about 23 miles north of Seattle, uh, in probably the most beautiful place <laughs> you can put a prison in. Uh, and I went in there the first time in 2013. Uh, I am a Toastmaster. Uh, done Toastmasters. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, look up Toastmasters.org. It's a speaking and leadership coaching, peer-led organization all around the world. And there started a rumor that one of the best clubs, not just in our district, but in our country, was inside a prison. And I'm like, huh? I gotta go check it out. So my thought was, this is going to be great. This is probably like Fight Club for Toastmasters. Uh, uh, Fight Club for Toastmasters. Yeah. The way I found out about uh, and started my journey into prison uh, was uh, not through uh, traditional route that people find into prison. I've actually never been um, uh, incarcerated. I've never even been in the back seat of a cop car. So uh, not yet, at least. Not yet, but I'm, I'm hoping to do a joyride sometime. <laughs> it's not over yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there is a reason. I, re later I realized why I do the work that I do, and I can let t tell you later. But th the question was about how, why Monroe and why Twin Rivers. So in 2013, I was a Toastmaster and a very avid one. And uh, I found that one of the clubs in our district was not just the best in our district, but the best in the country. And it was in prison. So I was intrigued and I wanted to go. Yeah, those programs are awesome. I did them. Yeah. I love those masters. Yeah. So, um, so Twin Rivers has the best uh, club in our uh, third or fourth best club in our nation. No kidding. Yeah. And I was really, that's what I said. And I thought, okay, I got to go check it out. So I thought it might be like Fight Club for Toastmasters. You know, like when they do an evaluation, it'd be like, yo, okay, come here. I'm your evaluator. <laughs> you know, let me give you an evaluation you won't forget. Yeah. You know, you'll never make that mistake yeah. again. The Oz is going to be like, how many punches <laughs> am I going to give you? Because 
let's be honest, just like 90% of the U.S. population, we have no idea what a prison is like. And what we do know comes from Shawshank Redemption, Orange is a New Black, and whatever documentaries one can see on History Channel. Yeah. Which, kind of a skewed view. As we know, has nothing, nothing to do with reality. And that's what I found out. I, uh, I vividly remember the first time I went in and the double doors closed and I was walking in that pathway and I'm like, what am I doing? See the little sally port? You're yeah. in. At that point, you're in. I was, I'm in and other volunteers are coming in and I'm like, what am I doing here? And yeah, that scene from Shawshank Redemption keep playing in my, <laughs> my head. And I was really shaking. And uh, soon the guys uh, got cleared and was, were walking in the room and they started shaking my hand. And at that moment, I realized that pretty much everything I know about prison is completely wrong. Just that moment. Because I saw human beings who are hungry, who are determined, who are excited, who care to see me, who actually are saying, thank you for coming. This means so much to us. And I'm like, that is... How crazy is that? How crazy is that? So that was, of course, the beginning. And uh, I became a sponsor for Toastmasters. And in 2017, I was uh, sponsoring a club in Monroe at Minimum Security Unit. And a gentleman uh, by the name of Spencer Oberg, who you very well know, he was in my Toastmasters club. He's amazing. Amazing guy. I I agree. And I consider him to be the co-founder of Restartup. He comes up to me and nonchalantly says, so, Leo... Uh, he's an inmate at the time. I mean, Leo, uh, I'm organizing this uh, speaking uh, se- session uh, or um, segment, lecture, lecture series. I'm organizing these lecture series, Harness Your Hustle. And uh, ten s- lectures of, ten, a series of 10 lectures once a month. And I want you to come. Since you teach entrepreneurship at UW and you are clearly a serial entrepreneur, why don't you come and talk? And I said, sure. And so I remember it was in uh, in beginning of 2017, or maybe it was the end of 2016, and I came in and there were 90 men inside this tiny little room. And I did the same speech that I gave to my students at UW. What's your big idea, 10 steps to getting your product to market? Every even step is find the right people. (laughs) Get them on the bus. Get them on the bus. And you have to find the right people. And the right people for step one is not the right thing. It's not, those are not the right people for step five or vice versa. And as I gave that speech, I saw something incredible. It's kind of like, uh, the analogy would be putting a match to a wet towel or putting a match to a towel wet with gasoline. I was trying to motivate spoiled brats and UW, uh, forgive me, uh, we have one, uh, uh, but this one is not. Uh, and, but trying to activate people who already have everything is very difficult. They don't have the hunger. There is no hunger. And the hunger that I saw in that room blew me away. In fact, the people stood out and were so loud in cheering that the COs came in because they thought there was a riot. <laughs> and I thought, it kind of was. I got to get me some of that. Yeah. 
And from that moment on, yeah. And from that moment on, I really started this descent into, or ascent, depending how you look at it, but really ascent into my purpose. And that's what I'm doing. I'm really living my purpose, which is to unlock untapped human potential behind the prison walls and beyond. That's why it's kind of funny. It's like, I think that's shocking. The biggest shocker is when you go into a prison, you realize how normal everyone is. I mean, there are some cases where there's some pretty bad people in there, but for the most part, uh, I think a study came out of Berkeley that shows 92% of all Americans have done something that would have landed them in prison. But they you know, either didn't get caught or they had family resources to get out of the trouble. And the other 8% lied on the survey. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So it's funny when people think, oh, prisoners are these other kind of people. It's like, no, those are just the few that got caught. And, of course, we over-criminalize everything in America, so they get long, long sentences. Yeah, and uh, let's come back to it because we have an exercise uh, within Defy that really makes that crystal clear. And you could just watch people's perceptions just shatter. You can I, literally I think I've seen pieces that. of that on your Facebook, like when they walk forward and yep, there's a yep, whole thing. step to the line. Yeah, and there are the several, line. there's actually a Tribeca 360-degree Oculus uh, documentary about it. Uh, called Step to the Line, which we can absolutely add uh, as one of the links to your podcast. Yeah, and we can even overlay the video on the, the video part. Yeah, it would be it would be pretty incredible. So you get a chance, uh, you and your listeners can get a chance to really uh, sense it or see what it's like. But it's uh, to to really understand it, you got to step to the line. So for the readers or the listeners that don't know what you're talking about, kind of describe the Step to the Line. Sure. So just to give people. Uh, framework, uh, our program, Defy Ventures, uh, sorry, our organization, Defy Ventures, has a program called CEO of Your New Life. That's what it's called. And it's a nine-month-long, 1,200-page curriculum that covers everything from employment skills, entrepreneurship skills, personal empowerment skills, and reentry. And that curriculum happens once or twice a week for nine months. It is intense. And if those of you who have been through prison know that just to get through and clear your schedule and being allowed to go in and out for nine months, I mean, you can't, you, you can't speak the wrong word. Otherwise, you get a write-up and you are not on the call-out. So you, you know, not to mention that in my prison, when people do get into this uh, program, we, the only place to meet is visitation room, which means that after each class, they have to get a strip search. So if, imagine, those of you who are listening, if you had to go to a class, voluntary class, where at the end of it, you would have to get strip search. You'd be like, all right. It better be, good class. It better be good. It better be <laughs> worth my time. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be pulling my pants down in front of other people and a lot of other people on a regular basis, it's better be worth your time. It's not a whole lot of fun. No, it's not. And it's dehumanizing, which is one of the things that our program does is to really bring humanity back. Did they strip search you? No, luckily did, did you not. Volunteer? Not like, at I all. Want to, I want to experience it. I, Sign me up. Uh, n- for, those, for those who know me, they would probably not be surprised That's part by of your that. Pers- I, I That's part of my personality. It. But <laughs> no, that was not part of my, uh, my thing. So that's the framework Uh, of what we do. But the secret sauce of Defy and where the step to the line really comes in is the fact that we bring in mentors, a lot of mentors, a lot of really powerful mentors. Uh, 
part of the reason why Defy is known in this circle is because people like Brett Feld and uh, um, the Zuckerman and Zuckerberg, sorry, and uh, what's his CFO uh, uh, gal, the Lean Sandberg? In? Yeah, uh, she she came in. Uh, uh, Seth Godin. Seth Godin was inside. Him too. Yeah. Wow. He's in fact, he genius. wrote several chapters in our book. No kidding. Yeah, and he's one of our major donors. So there, who's who. Uh, uh, who's who's have been through the program themselves uh, uh, in addition to everybody else uh, every walk of life I'm going to have uh, our next big event is happening on December 5th we're going to have 54 volunteers come in everyone from uh, someone who is uh, uh, struggling uh, herself to formerly incarcerated individuals to v venture capitalists and angel investors to uh, legislators from Washington State and that's the secret sauce, because even when we have, in, like our class ranges somewhere between 50 and 60 people to start with. And I brought, last time, I brought over 120 volunteers in the space of nine months. So imagine coming in, I, you can imagine yeah. being in the uniform, being in beige, and trying to figure out what to do with your life after being incarcerated and taken away from everything you love and know. And... Um, Knowing many, many people in my class have not received a personal visit in years. And all of a sudden, you have people coming in, and not just these crazy, highly committed, zealous uh, volunteers like me, but regular men and women, family members with, with children, and uh, obviously not in the prison, but the people with children and uh, just normal Joes, the people who they would never imagine or who have they already imagined don't give a crap. And they're in now. And they are in and they are trying and they are looking at them not as whatever the worst thing they've ever done. They're looking at them human beings say, tell me about yourself. Oh, I, that happened to me too. And wow, this is your plan. That's a really good plan, but you might want to change it this way or that way. I mean, people show up and they say, I used to think that there was a difference between them and us. And I'll never be like them. And now I know that's not true. And you can't do that in a book. It's not going to be gotten out of any book. And so the, the big piece of caring, of being human, of knowing that someone genuinely believes in you and that your past does not define you is what Defy is all about. And uh, for both inmates, uh, EITs, and um, the mentors who come in. So the step to the line is one of the exercises that we do uh, where it's very simple. You have, have two lines on, on the ground and about two feet apart, and we line up EITs on one side and mentors on the other. And I proceed to ask simple questions. Uh, and if it's true for you, you step to the line. If it's not true for you, you take three steps back. No words. And if you really feel it, you raise your hand to show that you genuinely care or you put your hand on your heart to let genuinely show the other person. And you keep eye contact across the... Whoever you're matched with. Yeah. And when I first experienced this exercise in November of 2017, uh, at the time I was uh, teaching at uh, Monroe Correctional at Minimum Security, teaching my own curriculum and working for Edmonds Community College and teaching their business course but looking for gold standard. 
because neither of the two were really had the the it yeah and so I heard a podcast very much like yours uh, from Tim Ferris uh, who interviewed it's just like yours yeah uh, who so interviewed Tim, Kat Tim's, Hoke Tim's written a couple of books and probably has a couple mil, million viewers but it's a minor detail minor detail it's, it's aspirational yeah. it's, it's you in the next few years yeah and he was interviewing Kat, and I was really blown away. And I said, well, i got to go see this program. So I flew into San, San Jose and went to R.J. Donovan Maximum Security Prison, which is so close to Mexico that my phone said, welcome to Mexico. And my poor, uh, and so well secured that my poor Uber driver, who was from Lebanon, can you imagine a Lebanese driver <laughs> coming in? He's just following GPS, and all of a sudden you just like leave the city and you keep driving. And then you go through and there are checkpoints and checkpoints and checkpoints. He looks at me. He said, I will get out. Yes, I will get out. <laughs> and I will say, yes, you'll get out. Don't worry. So uh, I went in and I really thought that I kind of knew what to expect. I, I already teach in prison and I was already committed to this work. And I didn't. And the secret sauce was this step to the line. Because as a participant, what I realized is that, one, we're no different from each other. We're just humans. The second thing that I realized is that in many ways, I'm a recipient of things that I did not earn. My background, I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my circumstances. And good or bad, as a child, I just learned from what I had. And in my case, I was a political refugee from the Soviet Union, which is another story. But it was not under my control. And the third and most important, and the thing that really drives me to this day, is the realization that we are all products of our mentors. That's kind of true, especially if you think back. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're listening to this, I don't know you, but I know for a fact that you're 100% a product of your mentors. Somebody gave you a nudge at the right time. Yeah, yeah. and you listened. Yeah. Right. That, that, that the definition of mentor is yeah. not the nagging mother who tells you what to do. A mentor is someone who says and you respect enough for them to listen. And I'm a product of my mentors. You are a product of your mentors. And they are a product of their mentors. So when I left that prison, I was like, wow, I just found something really profound about life. And people say, you know, you are who you surround yourself with, whatever. No, you're actually not. You're not a product of who you're surrounded by. You're a product of the mentors you're surrounded by. That's it. And the mentor doesn't even have to be a human being who's alive. It could be in a book. Right? But the key here is to have mentors and, when I, and have a safe space for, to learn from them. And so I swore to bring Defy into Washington State. And half a year later, I got a call saying, you still want to do that? I said, yeah. And so here we are. Very cool. So tell, tell me more about the program, how it unfolds. Like you, you do the step to the line, they meet their potential coach. First of all, again, to understand the program, realize that it is not a collection of uh, flashy, uh, loud, rambunctious, life-affirming events, which we have four. <laughs> but it's the tip of the iceberg. And it doesn't work otherwise if it's, there is no iceberg underneath. So the iceberg is really about a boot camp, a transformative boot camp that allows people who have found themselves to the point where they're willing to do the work, who are 
willing to become vulnerable in the most unwelcoming, most threatening of places to be vulnerable in, who bear their soul and their big ideas in a group that of people that they would never otherwise associate with to really reach their potential. That is a process, and it's not for everyone. Uh, and entrepreneurship is not for everyone either. Uh, yeah, definitely not. Right, but what we do at Defy is it's not about entrepreneurship. It's not CEO of your new company, the name of the course. It's CEO of your new life. So if you think of your life as a CEO, what, what are you building? And so it's a framework. So either when people get out, or even if they don't get out, because we work uh, with uh, lifers and we welcome lifers into our program. We are the only program that I know of that actively seeks them out. Because I know the secret that if you get a lifer and you get a lifelong peer facilitator who will transform thousands of lives without you having to do anything extra. Uh, and as any warden knows that if they want to decrease the rate of violence in their uh, prison, they have to talk to lifers and get them to be to, to feel purpose. I'll tell you this uh, side story about uh, when I went to Avenal prison uh, a year and a half ago. Because that's what I do for fun. I, I just go travel to other prisons to learn more. Instead of climbing mountains, you're visiting I, prisons? I, I, I go through, I, yeah, I don't jump through hoops. I just go through locked doors. But, uh, yeah, we had, we had a graduation there. And caps and gowns and uh, the whole thing. And uh, the assistant superintendent, warden, assistant warden came up. And he gave a speech about how proud he is of these guys. And so good job and whatnot. And he's this uh, short well-rounded uh, man of Mexican descent. And I pulled him aside afterwards and I said, well, thank you. Those are really powerful words, but why do you care? Like, what? why do you care about this program? He pulled me aside like, he said, listen, there are 50 guys in this program. This is the second year that this program is going in this yard, see. We had 50 before. I don't know what they do here. <laughs> but the violence on this yard has gone down to almost zero. No kidding. Right? It's an 850-person yard. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm all for it. You're only touching 50 of them. You're touching 50. And, of course, you and I both know why. Because if the shot callers are in the class, <laughs> they're going to tell people, I'm in class. You do not mess up. You do not do these. Don't shut down the yard. Do not. If you shut down the yard, I don't get my class. Yeah. Right? Do not stop my class and the classes don't stop and so it becomes this incredible powerful positive feedback loop where before there's nothing but negative feedback and it is incredible to watch people find out that they are worth something to themselves often for the first time in their life as cat hulk likes to say this is not about second chances for most people this is their first chance Ever true. Yeah. To, to amount to anything that anyone believes in them, right? Um, we just received applications for a second cohort, a second class. We have over 70 applications for 50 spaces. I'm not sure what we're going to do. But uh, I was started to read the applications, and they're pretty intense. They're about 40 pages long, and you have to literally Each like... Each one? Huh? Each application. Each pages. application, yeah. This is this is like the the out, uh, outline of it. But yeah, they have to literally write 
everything they've ever done. They have to share their social security number so we can do a background check. They have to write an essay and make sure it's neat. They have to fill out a 132-question uh, uh, research questionnaire called re, uh, Reentry Wellness Assessment Tool. Um, and so it, it takes a lot to do. People said this was the hardest thing and the most intrusive thing they ever had to do, and they had to do it before they even have day one of class. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for very, you know, and and so people do it. And one of the people, I started reading their application, and he said there, there was one phrase in your booklet that made me cry. And that was, and he quoted, we will be there with you all the way. He had never seen that before. He's never seen that. He's never heard that. People have abandoned him. And his crime, he still lives with. His family disowned him. And here he is without a hope in the world. He is just surviving and barely. And here somebody in writing says, we will be with you. And it, and he he starts to cry. Yeah, I had, I had a kind of a letter similar to that from one of our students. He really couldn't understand why we were helping him. Because, you know, in his life... Like all the people that should be helping him don't help him. All the people he has connections with don't help him. And he's like, and he made some statement like, here you are, a complete stranger. You don't know me. You're not from my town. You don't know anybody I know. So why are you helping me? He, he couldn't and, get his and head this, around it. And this, this is what I really call the mind fuck, right? Yeah. People come in with perceptions about themselves, about who they are, about who they are not. And it's just incredible over 10 months to watch people blossom blossom to a person that they didn't even know. I'm not trying to help people seize opportunities. I'm trying to help people invent new possibilities. Opportunities are nothing. It's only what the things you see in front of you. That's like if you've been trained to see uh, pebbles but not recognize diamonds, you'd be walking around picking the wrong stones all the time. And of course, the diamonds are not out there anyways. They're inside. There's nothing out there. All of our greatest potential, all of our greatest wealth is really locked up inside our soul, whatever that is. And when we put people in a place that does not support that, does not create value, what do you expect? It's actually the opposite. Yeah, it, it Especially is. like if you think about Zimbardo's Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, the, this idea that, you know, you put you put you give a guy a job for thirteen dollars an hour uh, to go and guard someone else and they're just going to drink that power. But then again, that is the, also the traditional view of prisons. And you know, my experience will be maybe different from yours because I have never spent a day inside the actual cell. And I don't know what the life outside of the visiting room is, <laughs> although I've heard plenty. Yeah. But I got to say that uh, there are many things that surprise me. But one of the things is so many people have come to me and say, yeah, prison sucks, but it saved my life. Prison sucks, but it saved my life. If I wasn't in prison right now, I'd be dead. Or I'd be doing something else hurting those who I care about the most. It's a, and again, it's not to say that prison is good, but that prison does serve a function of separating people from whatever crap they were in and so i don't know what your response to that is but i've heard that too many times to count um and the second thing that i've heard is that when i see when i meet people inside uh 
very often the people who come through the doors of my program have already worked on themselves for years. Right? They've, uh, they're kind of like Chris Wilson uh, from the book, uh, The Master Plan. Have you, ha- have you read, I that have read that one? Oh, highly recommend it to you and your listeners. The Master Plan, Chris Wilson. We're actually, uh, I think it's a path from the life of um, crime to the life of purpose. Okay. And we're actually starting the course this time with a month of just reading that book and building our master plan. It's that impactful. So these men and some women, because we have transgender uh, people in my in my in the in the yard, uh, they come in and many of them have already done so much to transform themselves despite the the environment. And I asked very often, like, what are you doing here? I know you've had this experience. There are people there who, have, who are enlightened. And you're like, what are you doing here? And almost without exception, the answer I get is something of the kind of, you should have known me X years ago. I was a blank and a blank and a blank and a blank. And then blah, blah, blah happened and I've whatever that happened but this idea of five years ago ten years ago had i met that same person i would have thrown them away and not given it a second thought i would say it's an animal who needs to be locked up in solitary forever without possibility of parole i'm thinking of a specific guy named chris you know head of aryan nation for washington state i mean you can't get worser than worse he's one of the best students, one of the most incredible human beings who now has one of his hobbies is to, uh, he has a knitting club that knits toys for kids of, uh, who are victims of domestic violence. Does he knit, knit swastikas on there? No, no, not at all. In fact, one of, the, one of the greatest gifts that I have is knowing this guy because he and a, another, he paired together with a, with a six foot ten uh, African-American imam in prison together and me, a, a Jewish immigrant from Soviet Union. What a group you guys make. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we make quite a scene. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we, you know, they created a, a program called REACH, right? Reentry, yeah, empowerment, reach. and uh, uh, community health. I came up with an acronym, so I, I, that's, that's, the, that's as much as that's I That's your do. contribution. That's my, well, and now they're teaching Defy curriculum. So he's, he learns it, he teaches it, and so he's changing the world. And so this man, a lifer, would have never passed anybody's muster, including his own. And then he made a choice, and he changed his life, and now changing lives of thousands of people, thousands. And I mean thousands because... Now that I bring in hundreds of volunteers and they are impressed by him, they can no longer see the world the same way and then they share it with, with hundreds of others. And he will never get out, most likely. And even if he doesn't, his impact is huge. So you say he may never get out, but we actually had funded uh, two lifers, you know, life without people, and uh, they're both out now. So you know, as time goes on, laws change. Uh, one guy was sentenced as a juvenile to life without, and then after he got funding from us, he got like it reinvigorated his love of learning. He he looked at his case and he, and he decided, oh, they can't sentence me as life as a juvenile, so he appealed his case, 
That's right. Got out after 20 years. And that's so when you look at the case of uh, the book, uh, The Master Plan uh, by Chris Wilson, it was his it was his story. You know, he's uh, in Maryland. He was involved in, in a shooting that resulted in a death and he was a juvenile and he was sentenced to life without possibility of parole. And yet he created a master plan that included getting out. And 16 years later, he got out. But the you, you got to listen to to that because that that just yeah, I'll check it out. So yeah, my my guys, the guys in the program and the gal said that it was one of the most impactful books of their life. And that's why I'm starting it because you got to start with someone who you can truly relate to. And as good as I am, it ain't me because I was born to a pretty great set of parents who have sacrificed everything for me, including coming to America. And I was given chances that I didn't, I didn't earn. And uh, my background really helps me understand, I believe helps me understand what it means to be a refugee. And even just like the regular person in society, once they can kind of understand the landscape of, like if you're a kid and your parents give you a college education, what did you do to deserve that? Pretty much nothing. You're just well in the I, right place at the I right would, time. I would, I would differ with you in that the deserve includes, it includes a moral judgment. I would say, what did you do to earn that? And the answer is nothing. Yeah, same thing. Actually, no, it's not the same thing because you, you deserve it. You absolutely deserve education. And so do you, and so do the, oh, the, the people. Yeah. Exactly, do the people that you help with the Prison Scholar Fund deserve education in every bit as much as you and I. But they, and and when they were growing up, they haven't earned that edu- that opportunity. But neither have I, and yet I got it, and they didn't. And I don't think that education, especially college education, is a uh, end all and be all. But it is a critical, it is absolutely essential uh, right to give someone, to aspire to, and to, to tackle. It's not happiness that U.S. Constitution promises. It's pursuit of happiness. That's right. And what we are doing in prisons is simply unconstitutional. Because of that one thing, we we prevent people from their pursuit of happiness because we want to punish them, and I believe that that I understand how it happened, or I understand the reasoning behind it, but I see it neither effective nor efficient nor um, moral or I- important. It's funny, even when you talk about people, they kind of reinvented themselves and that you're not the same person they used to be. You know, a lot of that happens internally. Something has to happen for them to decide they're going to choose that different course. And the saddest part of that about the criminal justice system is when they've made that decision and they want to be a different person, there's no one to go to after that point. Yeah. It's like, hey, you gave me 20 years. After five years, I kind of figured it out. I'm good. I'm sorry. Can I go home now? Right, and there is none. And so that is what you're going, Dirk, what you're referring to is something that I am incredibly passionate about and something I may say that is in the works in Washington State. That, you know, people, people poo-poo prisons and DOC and legislature and whatnot. I have one of the things that I've learned in this journey is that there are really, really good people in the DOC administration 
and who are committed to change. They are good people in legislature who are absolutely committed to change. They are nonprofit leaders who are absolutely committed to change. And they are inmates, people who are inside and outside who have devoted their life to change. They're all there. And they're the ones who need to have their voices heard. And they're the ones who really need to coalesce into one loud movement that will make a change that right now feels like an impossible dream, but it's no difference that no different than civil rights movement, no different to the gay right movement. And so what I am really about here is to start be on the cutting edge of the criminal justice reform movement, where it's not going to be about criminality at all. It's going to be about empowerment. What I believe needs to happen is an internal change. I, I am I'm passionate about this work, Dirk, but I think you'd join me in saying just because a guy got out of prison doesn't mean that he's all paid his, like he is ready to... to uh, assume his social responsibilities or make a world a better place. Uh, far from it. In fact, if anything, the, the current system uh, creates dependency and create and decreases um, uh, independence and de- decreases self-agency. For your listeners, I love telling that story because it's really fun to watch people's m- mouth open and eyes go like, Hey, do you realize that a person who's been incarcerated for 10 years have not seen a phone for 10 years? What was your phone like 10 years ago? <laughs> and they go like, oh, what? Like, they don't know what Facebook is. They don't know what... Uh, uh, they're, they, bring, they're bringing back the flip phone, so they'll be okay. <laughs> well, but my point is, that, like, they're, the cars don't have keys anymore. There is an on button. Yeah. Right. So what I'm trying to say is that we are expecting people to stay in prison for years and years and years, uh, very often after they transform themselves and sometimes not. And then we give them a pamphlet and say, go out there and, and do your job and, be, and don't come back here again. Uh, it's that that doesn't work. So we went on a couple of tangents here yep. and we kind of like drifted off the, the step to the line. So tell me how that goes and. So uh, as, uh, as we do these events uh, four times a year, each one has its own theme. We have a kickoff, one that's happening on December 5th. Uh, we then have a interview business day where we have people get coaching on interview skills. Then, and that's going to be in March. And uh, then we have our business coaching day, which happens this time in June. And then we finally have our business plan competition and graduation in September. And each one of those, I bring close to 50 volunteers into prison for those that mentorship. So the way that the step to the line works, uh, after we do a lot of the coaching we and lunch, we step to the line of two lines and the EITs stand in one and the mentors stand on the other and I just read questions. And the questions start from basic, like I step to the line if you never thought you'd be standing in front of a person that you're looking at or step to the line if you are nervous or step to the line if you um, love uh, country music just to get people to start understanding that what they need to do and then we go into deep deep stuff things that people have never shared with anyone often on both sides 
everything from childhood trauma to uh, background. So raise you step to the line if you uh, heard gunshots growing up. Wave your hand if it was a lot, right? Or w w raise your hand if you have uh, been incarcerated and by age 18, 16, 14, the youngest is eight, eight years old. And I asked him, how, I said, well, first of all, what did you get caught for? And he said, stealing handcuffs from a cop. <laughs> At age eight. And I said, I for said, him. wow. And how was that? He said, well, they never fit. <laughs> but imagine those of you with kids, an eight-year-old being locked up and put in handcuffs. So there are these, and then we really go into detail about people's lives and their aspirations and how many people have actually managed people uh, legal in businesses, legal or illegal. Yeah, and, uh, same skills. Same skills, and, and so forth and so forth. And it, it is incredible to watch people's masks just shatter. And when people, mentors, see the other people on the other side, the other, that are so much alike, they are allowed to escape their own prison of their own mind because we're all incarcerated. Every one of us is incarcerated by some limiting belief or other. And that's all. It's just a belief. And whether we live behind these walls or we live behind the cement walls and a, a bit of uh, you know, razor wire, it, it, at the end of the day, people go through hell everywhere and people find joy everywhere. And that is nowhere near as clear as when I take people to prison. So one of the things that I can do is, those of you who are listening, if you're inspired by this message, if you want to help others, and you want to get yourself out of the prison of your own mind, uh, reach out to me and I'll take you uh, to prison with me. And I promise you that it will be one of the most transformative experiences of your life. Yeah, so plug your email. Let them know how sure. to contact yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, the website is defywa.org. So www.defywa.org. We're not defying Washington, but that is what it's easy to remember. And uh, you can also reach us at uh, volunteerswa at defyventures.org. Uh, uh, one word, defyventures.org. Um, uh, you can uh, you can uh, reach us in on LinkedIn and Facebook. We are out there. It's relatively easy to find out, and then just become part of our uh, crew. We have an amazing group of volunteers who have uh, challenged themselves and challenged others, and are now building an actual movement. Yes, yeah, so I've met Spencer Oberg. He's actually out. He's one of your EITs. So, how many other of your EITs have been released, and how are they doing? So uh, Spencer is not an EIT per se because he preceded the oh, Defy program, but he beginning. was one of our transform one of my students, and I also consider him one of the teachers. So he, I taught the first three months, and then he helped me teach the next three months, and then we, uh, I think he got released uh, before we actually finalized, kicked off, uh, kicked, off gotcha. kicked off the Defy program. But he, uh, so we have. Uh, Six people who are that I know of who are out through my Restartup Academy program, and then we have another five right now who've been who graduated the Defy program in May and who are out now. Uh, three more are coming out in November, and uh, this Defy the Odds 
motto that we have is really, really helpful. Okay? It comes in really handy because uh, there's so many odds that are stacked against someone who is coming out. And we're building a great network of both formerly incarcerated individuals and mentors who are willing to not just help and counsel, but also hire. Absolutely. Uh, so we've had uh, our first two hires for Mott Pizza came strictly from the fact that the district manager, uh, the most amazing uh, Mott Pizza employee that I've ever met, uh, her name is Elizabeth Rice, uh, who has literally transformed Mott Pizza from just another pizza company to one where which prides itself on second chances and uh, whose district has 90% of its frontline employees being formerly incarcerated. So, Leo, what's next on the plate? Well, the next on the plate is quite an ambitious uh, goal and uh, one where you play the part, Dirk, as well as your listeners. So my mission is to unlock untapped human potential behind the prison walls and beyond. Defy Ventures is one of the vehicles for it. But the plan is actually bigger than that. The plan is to transform the, our criminal justice system uh, inside out. And here's the plan. I'll lay it out so everybody knows. The first step is to introduce the concept of rehabilitation and reentry in a way that has never been introduced before as far as I knew. To create a gold standard, to make Washington State the gold standard for rehabilitation and reentry. Reentry, for those who don't know, is the period of time where a person is preparing to be released and needs to be prepared for the world outside. Currently, this program is very, very uh, underfunded and also overlooked, but it needs to be at least a year long because if you take someone out for 10, 15 years, you need that time to actually help them find their way again. And, but the rehabilitation is a very different story. And maybe a different word is more applicable than rehabilitation. But the idea that that process needs to start the first, it needs to be available the first day of incarceration. And when people are ready, whatever that time is, they're able to take on classes specifically designed to help them find themselves, find their purpose, and acquire the skills necessary for them not just to not come back to prison. Because that's not a an objective. Recidivism, lowering recidivism rate does, has, says nothing about uh, success of anything. And in fact, if I create really good criminals, I will lower the recidivism rate because <laughs> they just won't get caught. Yeah. But in normal circumstances, again, most crimes come from the place of desperation. So how do we build a framework that really stops recidivism? It's not even a combination. Not to mention that uh, most people who are in prison are there because someone in their family have gone to prison before. Just like most people who are in college are there because someone in their family have gone to college before. So we're changing the process inside out. So the way, the way to do it is to create a very robust program, a reentry program, and rehabilitation program in Washington State. Together in collaboration with Department of Corrections, the legislature, and the nonprofit and for-profit uh, organizations that are passionate about it and to do it in collaboration so DOC doesn't have to do it that's not their core competency their mission is to serve and protect it's not to rehabilitate however we can do that work for them and by we I don't mean defy ventures I mean you and I and other change agents 
together with for-profit organizations who are desperate for really, 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 really good employees. And, uh, or uh, small business owners who can then give back to, really give back to society. So to create a program like that it requires a pilot. So our next step is to create a pilot inside Twin Rivers Unit in Monroe Correctional Complex to get it funded by legislature, which we are well on our way, and to bring together a group of really uh, powerful thought, thought leaders inside the prison and outside the prison, you being one of them, to create a, a platform that can genuinely build some of the best employees and entrepreneurs that you would never hire or invest in otherwise. And through those stories, highlighting those stories, and creating value on the outside of the world by bringing in mentors and having those mentors then help those who are coming back out, we literally create a grounds root movement that will make the update of the 13th Amendment and more go from impossibility to a foregone conclusion. That's what I'm about. Fascinating. <laughs> Leonowski, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. We'll see you next time.